When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. I want to remind you, we have a lot of empowerment available through our 31-year-old Team Clark Consumer Action Center, where you can get free one-on-one advice, information, and guidance for your consumer questions, problems, etc., Just go to clark.com slash CAC to see how to reach one of our Team Clark members for that free one-on-one advice. You know what today is? It's time for Clark Stinks, where you get to hear in the first Clark Stinks broadcast of 2024 how I have messed up. I'm also going to talk about the problems happening with people looking for jobs where they're getting scammed instead of getting a job. But right now, it's time for How I'm Stinking It Up. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Okay, I was taken aback hearing your Clark rageous Costco experience. Never mind customer no service. How could you be so calm describing this customer attack on your character? In this instance, I believe it would have been okay for you to drop the do you know who I am line. You're their top spokesman. I bet you have the CEO's cell phone number. Doesn't your local Costco know you by your name and reputation? I was so upset listening to this story. I may never go back. I hate their checkout lines. Sam's Club and BJ's have the scan and go all worked out. It's a much better experience. You're a better man than me because I would have gone home, strapped the leash on Kirkland's signature and took him right back to that store. I would inform the person they could keep their dog because your next one will be named Members Mark or Berkeley Jensen. Fellow clubber, Brian. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) For listeners who didn't hear this story last year, Brian, let me recap quickly. I had gone to self-checkout at Costco, and you know how they have the employees there who have the scanning guns if you have a heavy item or whatever, and so one of the nice employees came over, scanned the items in my cart with the scanning gun. I paid, and I go to the door. Well, it turned out they'd missed two of the items in the cart when they were scanning it, and I was sent back and written up. And they have a list of members, they wrote down my member number and all that, who I guess are attempted shoplifters, I don't know. But nothing happened after that. My membership wasn't stripped from me or anything like that. And I paid for the two items that weren't scanned. The interesting thing about that story was that the person working self-checkout came over and said, that was my fault. That was my fault. That That wasn't the member's fault. And the person just didn't even acknowledge and wrote me up. So, you know, there's such a problem with shoplifting and retail that 
I understand all the heightened kind of attention mm-hmm. focused on self-checkout. You and, wouldn't want anyone to do anything because you're Clark Howard. Like you're the oh, opposite never, of that. Never, never, not ever. I want to be treated like any other person at all times. Both Sam's Club and BJ's Wholesale having scan and go. Costco, what's the drill? I mean, scan and go is so great. You don't have a membership to. Mm-mm. So the way it works is I pull out my app. It's what admits me to the club. Really quick. Cool. I'll tell, tell it quickly. Ahead, and then as I go around, you use your app to scan every item that's gone in your cart. And then you pay on the app and you go straight to the door. No checkout lines at all. And there's a special checking they do at the door to make sure you're not a shoplifter putting things in your cart you haven't scanned in. And I love it. And Costco needs to get with the program. You're completely right, Brian. Clark, you smell like my 10-year-old dog's breath. In a recent segment, when you responded to a listener talking about her 855 credit score, you ended your comments with, you can get any loan you want. Although it's true that, as you said, a score of 760 to 780 or above will allow you to be considered an excellent borrower, that blanket statement made my ex-loan officer skin crawl because the sentiment of, as long as my credit score is high enough, I can get any loan I want, is way too common and often erroneous. I'm sure you know there are many more factors involved in getting approved for a loan besides a credit score. And sadly, many people max out their income on loans and get denied because of that more often than having a bad credit score. Please do your best to not make such maddening blanket statement in the future, Judy. Judy, thank you. And you're right. That was a careless statement on my part. A lot of loans now are done strictly based on credit score And not looking at overall indebtedness, not looking at income, anything like that. But then there are other loans where there are many other factors beside the credit score. And that was careless of me to say that. Clark, LOL. You discuss how the employment power pendulum has swung back in favor of employers, correct? Then turn right around and suggest if the employee gets no raise next year, this year now, this was written last year, perhaps they need to job hunt Good luck finding a new job, let alone a better paying job. Remember, the pendulum has swung. One better hope they made out okay in the last three years with raises and be glad they still have their job. Darren. Darren, thank you for that. Let me tell you, I've been reading a lot on this. I just read a story that was in Barron's or the Financial Times, one or the other, about how employers are actually, there are employers now that were begging for workers in 22 and 23 that are now strategically doing layoffs. At the same time, there are still other employers who don't have enough workers and are looking for them. There's still a velocity in the job market. It is not an employee market today, but there's still benefit and opportunity potentially going out and looking for other work. Just not easy like it was relatively the last couple of years. Clark missed the boat on the TSP changes. As an active duty service member who has been working the TSP for several years now, the addition of the mutual fund window is a great opportunity to out-earn the traditional choices. The complication lies in the research of available funds prior to signing up. 
Well, this was an issue and I had to research the funds through a third party site. Once I did, I was able to confirm many of the high performing fidelity funds I prefer are available. One of my funds is running as high as 65% this year and killing anything the traditional options have to offer. Takes a little work, but the offerings are more than worth the fees. Jonathan. Jonathan, thank you for that different perspective on the TSP. I liked so much the simplicity of how the TSP worked before and having the lowest overall expenses of any retirement plan pretty much in the U.S. TSP, Thrift Savings Plan, is planned for federal workers and members of the U.S. military. It's now been all gummed up with these options that you're happy with, Jonathan. I'm not because most people need investing because of the paradox of choice. They need it to be simple. But my answer to you and to others who actually like these new much higher cost options is do that stuff in your own IRA and leave the TSP really simple, streamlined, and low cost. So I don't support it because I feel that although it, it's for now working very well for you, having more higher cost choices, most federal workers and military personnel were on balance much better off with a simpler, cheaper plan. Clark, on a recent Clark Stinks podcast, a caller asked about selling a used car and the buyer having it inspected by a mechanic. They question the safety of this. A simple solution is to meet the buyer at their mechanic. You drive the car you're selling, or they can bring the mechanic to your house. Keep up the good work. Thank you for all you do, Shelly. Shelly, thank you. You know, there's been such a shift in the marketplace I want to address on a future podcast mm -hmm. that very few individuals are selling their used cars to other individuals now. The market is heavily shifted and I need to address that and what people are doing that now makes it potentially easier for the seller of a vehicle because the buyers are now people in the automotive industry instead of other individuals. But I appreciate that post, Shelley. Ink a dink, a bottle of ink, the cork fell out and Clark stinks. Okay, that may be strong, but I love a good rhyme. Mr. Howard. Oh, man. You talk a lot about Amazon shopping not being the best deal in town and also tout how great deals are when shopping at Walmart and warehouse stores and how that can save a lot of money. Yet I've never heard you weigh in on how when we shop at Amazon and similar on online retailers, you, meaning I, only purchase the product that was intended to buy in the first place and you don't load up your cart with things you feel compelled to buy in the moment just because you see it right in front of you. Compare that to when I go to Costco for about $75 of merch and end up with a $300 charge at the register. I know, I know, you don't take a cart, but just because you're a freak of nature in this regard doesn't mean you're doing justice to the rest of us when it comes to shopping methods. Do your fan base a favor. Next time you go to Costco, have someone video how you purchase toilet paper, plus paper towels, plus eggs, milk, bacon, cereal, and whatever else you need for the month without a dang cart. I'm not saying you can't. I just want to see how you do it. For me, I don't mind if I'm paying a few bucks more here and there by shopping on Amazon and other online retailers. All that being said, please do read the humor and jest into this post. I absolutely love you and your show. And regardless of the issues that don't quite line up with my life and needs, I will always be a fan and a loyal subject of The Clark. I hope that new title makes up for the previous Mr. Howard dig. As for us fans, I know we've been deemed Clarkies, but I'm more of a Clark-siple. 
You are truly amazing and we're also lucky you exist. Eric in Thousand Oaks, California. So Eric, let me tell you how I do it at Costco. When I'm buying uh, bigger items, when I'm buying groceries, I first walk all the aisles in the Costco. I do the same thing at Sam's Club with just my arms carrying the discretionary items I might buy in the store. When I run out of arm space to carry stuff, then I have to do the process of putting things back. I always put them back where they came from. Hate that when members drop things anywhere, particularly perishables, dropping them anywhere and spoiling them. Anyway, then once I've finished shopping all the fun aisles, what they call the treasure hunt at Costco, I then put those items in a cart and go buy the dull kind of food items like this particular egg thing my wife loves and whatever other items are on the list that I'm buying from groceries. I really enjoy your podcast and have learned a lot for many years. However, I was a bit disappointed in your response to the question you had recently about the couple that was going to winter in Hawaii for three months and they asked about the best options for a car while there. You said a good option would be to buy an older model used car and sell it before you leave. While the economics of this could work out, the likelihood is small considering these factors. You need to pay for the state plates and registration. You need to get auto insurance. And since you're buying an older car, there are no guarantees that you won't have car troubles. Even if in the best scenario, you only spend a few hundred dollars on plates and registration and you get lucky and sell the car for the same or similar amount, the amount of time, effort, and stress doing this for a three-month time frame seems like bad advice to me. What happens if you can't sell it? I suppose you could see if they have CarMax or something similar that buys cars, but if you're using them, you may not get what you wanted for the car. Just my thoughts. Sometimes trying to save money leads to bad advice. The last thing I'd want to do on a vacation is stress over these factors, Frank. Frank, I appreciate this very much. You know, I've thought about my answer to that question since I gave it, and I've thought again about the Turo angle, where you rent somebody else's car that you use for a time. Do you remember, this is off the subject, but when there were the severe rental car shortages and people in Hawaii were renting U-Hauls to drive Uh around in Uh because they couldn't get a rental car at any price, that's over now. And out of all those extreme shortages, there's a very active private rental market in Hawaii that Turo is the biggest player in. And that probably should have been the first option that I brought forward instead of buying a a car you'd have to sell three months later because you pointed out very wisely there's a lot of cost and possible hazard doing what I suggested. Of course you don't stink Clark. Generic deodorant works just as well as name brand but why do you never mention the Walmart MasterCard? For the first year of use you get 5% back on all purchases at Walmart. After the first year you get only 2% back on purchases made at the register but you still get 5% back on all Walmart pickup and delivery orders. Getting 5% back on my weekly grocery pickup has saved me so much money during this time of high food prices. Doing grocery pickup not only saves me time, but cuts down on impulse buys as well. 5% off groceries really adds up month after month, Lisa. Lisa, thank you. And that's a blind spot of mine. You know, the Walmart credit card went through an ownership change. And people seem much happier with it now that it's with Capital One, I think, is now the issuer of the Walmart card. And if you are a Walmart loyalist, 
it's a great choice, no annual fee. And you have managed to, not just the first year, but moving forward, by jumping through their hoops, continue to get the 5% cash back. And it matches and mimics. What does it mimic? Where did they come up with the idea? Costco. Target. Oh, Target, that's right. The red card, 5% off mm-hmm. on everything, either the the red card, debit card, or the red card, credit card. That I don't remember if it's a Visa or MasterCard. So both at Target and at Walmart, you have this ability with their in-house branded card to get 5% back. And in your case, you're managing to do it pretty much every time. And that is a great suggestion. And I'm sorry, we have a nice review of it on Clark.com. I have never, not once, ever mentioned it on our podcast. That's what Clark thinks is all about. Exactly. Coming up ahead... There's something that is, uh, you know, we had the, the Clark sinks earlier about the shifts in the job market. And I've got a, something you've really got to focus on if you are out looking for a job right now in the job market. Very important for your wallet and your identity. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. During the height of covid There were a lot of problems going on with people that were looking for remote work where there was a lot of legit work that was remote, but there were also scamsters that came out of the woodwork. And now that the job market has been tightening some, the scamsters are back big time when you're looking for work and it doesn't even have to be remote, but you apply so much for jobs now online. There's a new alert from the Federal Trade Commission. I've read several stories about the problems with people getting scammed, looking for a job. And again, I want to emphasize this is for both job title descriptions that say remote work and regular job titles where you will be going to a physical facility, an office, or whatever to work. But the applications initially are done online. You need to know that the scamsters are out there. They are even on legitimate job sources, you know, job sites. And the job sites don't want the crooks there. There's just so many listings that so many slip through the cracks. Know that when somebody, particularly for an in-person job, there's never any intention of having you come in person, interviews being done over some kind of messaging service, interviews that could be 
digitally face to face on one of the various apps people use for like it could be meets or it could be um, a zoom call anything like that be aware that you have to be careful how you proceed following an initial contact through a series of emails messaging or even a face-to-face digital kind of supposed interview that what happens next is where you can end up with some harm. There are a lot of supposed job opportunities where they're then going to tell you, you have to pay some kind of money. That's where you know that you are about to be scammed and that one's easy. But what about if they say, wow, we're really interested in you as an applicant. We need for you to fill out more information. And remember, you haven't been to a physical office. You don't know that person really represents a legitimate company. You don't know if that person represents as being from a well-known and recognized company. They really are with them, not necessarily, particularly if you're not getting emails from that company. You're instead getting them through some kind of messaging app or something like that. You need to be very aware. You could be very close to having your identity stolen. Because it seems like, why would somebody go through all that work to steal your identity? They're doing it. Because once somebody has your social security number, they have your current address, they've got your phone number, they've asked for prior addresses, they might ask, oh, we need your bank account information for direct deposit purposes. Remember, you don't know you've really been offered a job or hired for a real job, and they're trying to get your direct deposit information. You've got to do more research to make sure you're dealing with a legitimate employer, a legitimate job offer, and all the rest. And if you're going to be working in a facility, you want to be interviewed there. Uh, Maybe an initial screening is done online in some way. But man, don't cough up key personal information until you have been able to be confident that you're getting an actual real offer. What do you expect for that? You want on-company letterhead an actual real offer with a start date and all the information where you're going to be working and all that. And then you get in your car and you go to that supposed address you're going to be working at. And you want to check, is there actually somebody working there of the name whoever is supposed to be the one actually interviewing you. This is art more than science on your part. You want that job. So many times you're going to, out of wanting that job, you're going to suspend disbelief and you're going to give information you shouldn't give at that time. Next thing that could happen with all that information, they could empty your bank account pretty easily. If you've given them your bank account information for direct deposit, When should that kind of information be given in any case? Once you're onboarded by HR. Before that, nope. I was also going to say, you can, if it's a well-known company, most of them on their websites have a section that says careers or employment opportunities at the bottom. So you could look and see if that's really a job listing. And also you could call the HR department and ask if this is a legitimate job listing in person, just separately. Just know that this is a big problem right now. And you have to be on your guard. It is so much more common that you get, you know, interviewed remotely now. It's just, yeah, it's tougher. Okay. 
questions. This one's from Will in New Jersey. I recently entered my fourth decade of life and I'm currently visiting my 81-year-old father. My mom is in a nursing home. My fiance's father recently passed away. This is all a reminder to me that we can't escape father or mother time. My dad has told me that he would be interested in donating his body to science. However, he believes that this field is too unregulated and is certain his body parts of it will only benefit ill-intentioned, corrupt profiteers and not be used for science. I thought he was being paranoid, but then I found a recent investigative report that confirms his suspicions. And there's a link. What does Clark think about this? He's dedicated his life to serving others, and I know he wouldn't want his body to be used for others' profit. Wait, he is a cheerleader for a strong free market. Perhaps he doesn't mind. Clark's candor on topics pertaining to, I'll say it, death is very much appreciated, and I'd love to hear his take on this. What can I tell my dad to where can we donate that will use our remains for science? So first of all, why is it that I talk about death so openly? Because as best I know, none of us are immortal, Mm -hmm. but we at our peril and for those of our loved ones who survive us, we leave a real burden on them if we don't make our wishes well known. And I'm glad that this is something you've spoken about in your family. So for me, it is true that in the United States, particularly the organ donation programs are, are a mess right now. And that's something that is a shame and we need to get it functioning well. I want every organ in my body that could be useful to somebody else to be available to them. I think the safest way to donate your body, and there's been conversation when I've said this, is to a university-based medical school you know, a university-based hospital, research hospital, where your body will be made good use of. On the issue of harvesting organs for profit, that has not been an issue or problem in the United States. That came up recently in a national election in South America, where one of the candidates was advocating for sale of organs of deceased as a way for survivors to have money to live on. And that was a big talker when that came along. And um, I am totally for the free market. I'm not there yet on my organs being sold off to the highest bidder. But I do want my body to go to science. And I really believe that the medical school hospitals are the best places to donate your body. Henry is in Wisconsin says, I am 33 years old. I heard an ad for a local funeral home where they were advertising funeral pre-planning. One of their selling points was that planning and paying for the service now would make the cost inflation proof. That sounds good, but after meeting with them, I found that the funeral process can cost upwards of $10,000. My life insurance agent recommends not doing this and allowing our life insurance to pay for the funeral costs when the time comes. What are your thoughts? I am so opposed to these prepaid funeral plans. First of all, the funeral industry is going through a lot of transition now. The The big buyers that bought up a lot of funeral homes, uh, several have gotten into financial trouble. You don't want a situation where you prepaid for a funeral and then they're not there when the time comes. You're dependent then on uh, whatever state guarantee fund exists for funeral homes or cemeteries in your state. I don't advise this at all. What I do advise instead, Henry, is look to see what 
funeral and memorial societies are available to you. These are nonprofits where or near where you live in Wisconsin. And if you go to funerals.org, you'll be able to see what is available to you. These funeral and memorial societies use, uh, excuse the term, but they use group buying power to negotiate lower rates for funerals with burial, funerals with cremation, caskets, the whole shebang. My goal is to have, obviously, a zero-cost memorial service. And, uh, you know, people can just meet in a park somewhere. What do you think of that? A good weather day? Not spend any money? I'm upsetting you talking about that. I didn't mean to upset you. No, you didn't. It's fine. It looked like I did. Whatever you want is what matters and your family. But, uh, you know, I want no cost for disposal of my body, and I want my body to then be of help to others, period. But everybody approaches what they want at time of death their own way. The one thing I would not do is not tell your loved ones what your wishes are, because in the time of sadness and grief, they may spend money and do things that aren't what you wanted, or you may want something that's very specific and very elaborate, and you want your family to know so your wishes are carried out. Juan in California says, Clark, because of you, I'm well aware that my funds at a bank or credit union are insured up to $250,000. But what about funds at an investment firm, like one of your three favorite children, Vanguard, Fidelity, or Schwab? Also, what if my employer or a rollover has my retirement at the same place as my personal investments? Does my insured max coverage combine retirement and personal investment, or is it retirement and a different entity than my personal investment? Okay, this is going to freak you out. It is so weird the way it works at a mutual fund company or a brokerage house. So your actual individual holdings, index funds, ETFs, stocks, whatever it is you hold your investments in, they are not direct assets of the firm, even if they're Fidelity branded or they're Schwab branded or they're Vanguard branded funds, your money is still okay in those funds because those funds hold underlying investments. So even if the brokerage or it could be one of those full commission brokerages or bank related ultra high cost brokerages, your money in the individual investments is absolutely safe And if a brokerage fails, your account is transferred to another firm, a successor firm, and all the holdings go as they are. Money you have in a firm that is, let's say, cash in a firm or whatever, you're insured not by the federal government, but by a private organization called SIPC, Securities Investors Protection Corporation, I think is what it stands for to half a million dollars and the big brokerage houses have additional insurance that they provide on accounts beyond the 500,000 that you have from SIPC. Did I have it right? Securities investor. Okay. Thank you, Krista. You're welcome. And so your money is not at risk, but it's not as simple a process as FDIC. Now, if There is fraud that occurs, like an internal employee, which has happened, unfortunately, too often at full commission stock brokerages, an employee of the firm steals money from someone's account, 
then that is a cost borne by the brokerage firm itself and is not part of the SIPC insurance. So in the event that the brokerage itself, and this would only tend to happen in a smaller brokerage, the brokerage itself was crooked and was stealing money from customer accounts, and then they go insolvent, that's a case where your money could be at risk. But with a traditional broker, even the full commission brokerage houses I don't want you near, and any bank-related brokerage firm I don't want you using, but with if you're with one of them, you're with one of the low costs, your money is protected multiple ways, just different and I would say a little inferior in terms of cash in your account from how FDIC or NCUA works because SIPC is not an agency of the federal government like NCUA or FDIC are for banks. But I feel completely secure and sleep well at night knowing my money is spread among my three favorite children. And that's not my kids. Even though my kids truly in real life are my favorite children. But we're talking about Fidelity, Vanguard, and Schwab. And I hope you have a great day and a wonderful weekend. And remember, save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off.